Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am joined by Michaela Karen. Hey, Michaela, glad to have you on. Hi, it's so great to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'll let you go ahead and start by introducing yourself and how you got into iOS development. Okay, so I got into iOS development. It was January of 2019. I was like, I really want to learn iOS. So I made it like my brand, like New Year's resolution, do like 100 days of code, like starting on January 1st. So I did that and created an Instagram. And so doing that, I was like, kept myself accountable of like actually learning things. So um, I did that for like 100 days. And then by April, I had like a pretty good basis of what, like what is iOS development and like UI kit. Little did I know, like that summer, like they were going to announce Swift UI, and I was going to be like, "What is going on?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> Great timing. I, yeah, I was so confused. I, like I didn't realize because I was so new. I was like, "Oh, this is like a big thing." Like it, it did not occur to me whatsoever because like I didn't know as much. <laughs> so like I didn't know it was like new and cool and everything. So I didn't actually learn Swift UI until the year later. But yeah, it's I started that year. And then I mainly built like just little beginner practice kind of apps and then started building one from an idea that I had like back in college. But then the next year was when I started applying for jobs. So that was the beginning of January, like 2020 sort of time period. And then I was about to have like an onsite interview. And that was like about mid-March of 2020, which after that, then the pandemic hit. So then I stopped like applying uh, for jobs for a little bit because we all like kind of didn't really know what was going on. So I did that. And then Right. Uh, that's when I built the two apps that I put like in my portfolio because I was like, oh, well, if I can't apply for jobs, I might as well like make my own apps. So from there, that's where I started to make the first, I made the trivia app, which is like, I called it first NCIS trivia, but because you can't use like copyrighted names, yeah, I made true. up like the name Gibbs crew, crew trivia, which is like Gibbs is the main character. And he has like his whole okay. crew, which is like the main like characters. Ah, so nice. the whole, Over. yeah, it's all just about like the characters pretty much. And then um, while I was applying for jobs, I had like a good, uh, like a huge Google spreadsheet of like just everything, everything that I was applying to. And I was like, why is there not an app to keep track of all of this? So then I made like the very original title of job application tracker. So then I could track all of my job applications. And that's what I ended up doing. um, And sort of like added that onto my portfolio as well. And then that was... I think mid 2020 or so. And then I got my first like iOS development job. Um, I started in early January of 2021. Awesome. So where are you at right now? Uh, now I am at um, Sweetwater Sound. They are like a music retail company. So they sell a lot of guitars, but it's really interesting. All of the software that they have like in-house for like processing orders and stuff that's all in their distribution center, that is all with like custom made applications. Nice. That sounds like a, a fun a uh, company to work for. That's great. Yeah. So what were you doing before you were an iOS developer? So before I was in iOS, so I graduated from Purdue University with like a manufacturing degree, but I got okay. a minor in computer information technology. So that's sort of where like I kept sort of in touch with like all the programming kind of things. And then um, I previously worked at Nucor Steel, which is steel manufacturing. So that's where they're like melting down steel and making it into sheet metal. So it's like drastically gotcha. different than what I <laughs> what iOS is. But, um, yeah. What interested you in doing iOS development? I think I just thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool because I have an iPhone and I've had an iPhone since like the iPhone 4S. So like I have hardly used Android phones. So it doesn't even make sense for me to go about like making an Android app when I'm like, I don't even know how to use Android myself. So that's (laughs) why I was like, well, I'll choose iOS. And I was looking at how to do that. 
And then I found out you needed a MacBook. So I think it was my sophomore year of college. I purchased the MacBook I have now, which is a 2016, which is still going strong, which is great. Um, but like, that was the most like expensive purchase I had made in my life to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a big investment once you get started. We had talked about that in the last episode, just how like, uh, with Steve Lipton, we talked about playgrounds and how hopefully playgrounds will open it up to more folks. Cause I yeah. needs an iPad. Mm-hmm. We'll see hopefully, but yeah. Hey folks, so you probably know I'll be presenting on server-side Swift at 360 iDev, and there's a lot of great services out there to get started. However, usually I run into some sort of quota limit or speed issue when I use any of the cheaper services. This has especially been the case with Orchard Nest, my Swift news site, and that's when I ran into Linode. What I really like about Linode is I can set up basically my own server and scale it up and down. With their excellent service and great dashboard for developers, I'm able to get going quickly. For instance, over WWDC 2021 week, I ran into memory and speed issues on my instance with them, and I was able to quickly and easily upgrade those servers so that it can take the increased traffic over WWDC week, and it worked out great. So here's what you can do. Go to the link in the show notes below and get $100 60-day credit for your new account. If you're interested in getting started with server-side Swift, this is a great way for you to get started with your own server. You have no excuse to take advantage of this offer. Again, go to the link in the show notes below to get $100 60-day credit for a new account. If you're interested in getting started with server-side Swift, this is a great way to get started. Set up your new server on Linode and get started today. So we just had dubbed up a few weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. What, what's just your overall reaction to dubbed up this year? And what do you think? Overall, I really liked it. It is one of those, like, it seemed very consumer facing at the very beginning of it. But then the second half towards the end was more like developer focused and started showing you like Swift and more of the APIs and everything. I definitely think it's one of the years where it's like smaller sort of incremental kind of changes. And it's like not big yeah, exactly. shocking changes because it's like you saw the weather app, which is like really cool to see, but it's not something that developers necessarily really interact with. It's just, that's the brand new app that Apple came out with, but not, not yet, developers do with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, that was pretty cool. And seeing the share play kind of features that you can have and um, being able to now do like more interactions of things like over FaceTime than you could previously, um, I think is really interesting to see like sort of what people add to their apps for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a quieter year, which I actually liked because I was super scared that there's going to be some big API that we're going to all have to implement. Like last year, it was Apple Silicon, and then mm-hmm. the year before that was Swift UI. So it was just like, it was nice to just have things slow down a little bit. Did you, have you had a chance to play around with any of the new APIs at all? I haven't played around with too many of them. I've done like a lot of looking at them. So I'm still trying to see how many like access, watch accessibility features we have access to. Because I think it'd be really cool to have like an entire game on your wrist where the entire thing is controlled by only the accessibility features. So like how they had the crunching feature and then doubling. I know. And like being able to make a whole game out of that, I think would be really cool. That is so awesome. So today we wanted to talk about like some app ideas. Like what would be a killer app to put out by the time iOS 15 comes out? And, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand and just like, like we said, there's no like killer there's no big API that came out that I could see is going to like, other than share play, I guess, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what's the big thing that 
like is really going to shine this year as far as a new feature. Did you come up with anything in that regard? Man, I was looking because I was like, okay, I want to like play with the new API features and make a brand new app for like iOS 15. But then I'm like, I could not for the life of me come up with an idea. Like um, I was going through a couple, what was it? There, like, I, I really don't have one specific to iOS 15. Um, one of my friends, coworkers, he gave me like a water tracking kind of app. So like how much water you drink, but then using all of the health features to then see if you could see trends of when you drink more water some days, does that make your heart rate like in a better range? Or does that like increase your activity or something okay. like that? Right. So seeing something like that with the accumulation of all the health features, but it's not like a brand new idea, I think. Um, well, they did add some like, they had like background queries mm-hmm. for health stuff now. So maybe you have like more access to that. I would assume you'd have to do that on the watch to track heart rate, right? Or were you yes. thinking exclusively on the iPhone and just hope that the sync data works out correctly? Yeah, some of that of getting the sync data from the watch then onto the phone and then on the phone yeah. actually like have all the charts that you want to see. But then like the watch itself is what's like capturing all of your data. So then the app mainly is trying to do like data analysis and figuring out where are their trends, if any. Right, right. Yeah, that would be very cool. Because I know they did add a HealthKit API for like background queries. So you didn't have to do workouts necessarily to track heart rates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the other thing is, uh, like we said, the SharePlay API. I'm interested in health fitness and there just wasn't a lot. First of all, SharePlay is not available on the watch. So mm-hmm. there goes like 90% of your workout stuff on the watch. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's kind of going to be their like killer feature that they're going to want people to, to mm-hmm. implement. But other than like games and videos, I can't think of anything off the top of my head to like really like take advantage of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I really just couldn't find like one defining feature that like every app needs to implement because SharePlay is like a really cool feature, but it doesn't really work for every single app. Like it works for your shared streaming apps. Like that's kind of like a no brainer, which was the example they even gave of all the partners they're working with. But like, there wasn't a big like defining one, like the widgets that everybody had to have. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So we both wrote a few ideas down. Um, I'm actually going to let you start with your ideas as far as like what you think you'd like to put out by October. Okay. Uh, I'll let you start with your first idea. So the first one that I have is, so it's called Brain Marks, which it's part of like the big brain hackathon that, who is it? It's T, Adrian, and um, Sai, and Cyril uh, Garcia. They all like had a hackathon a month or so ago, something like that. And it was like just a basic 24-hour hackathon. And the idea that my team had come up with was um, to have like Twitter bookmarks, how you can just bookmark a tweet and it basically just is a big timeline of them, but you can't really sort of search anything. You can't like find what you're looking for. And it's just like a big like dumping ground basically of tweets. Okay. So it's going about like categorizing those tweets. So like when you save one, oh, you can put it in this category. So then it's easier for you to, you to be able to go back and then find what it, whatever it was that you saved. Um, and that starts like using the Twitter API. But I'm not sure if we're going to oh, do nice. anything like iOS 15 specific with that, but that was sort of just like an idea that we have, which we did all Swift UI. And we used AWS Amplify because that's something that I've personally never used. And I wanted to use that for the back end. Gotcha. But like, it's just like a fun little hackathon project because really it's for the most part, just kind of a CRUD application. But interfacing with the Twitter API has its own then challenges with it and figuring like out how to use Amplify for the first time too. 
Yeah, I mean, one killer feature that was last year that maybe you could use is like widgets because mm-hmm. you can have like a little widget that shows latest tweet that you bookmarked or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, like that that that'd be that's like the whole cataloging and being able to look up stuff is mm-hmm. is super super helpful. So the apps. So I have my own current apps that I have mm-hmm. out um, involving physical fitness, like GBeat and Heart Twitch. Which there's a few features with hard twitch I could definitely do with there's that new stuff with like the always on display mm-hmm. um, that I could take advantage of on the watch now with both of those Apple Watch apps and the background queries to health. I think I could also take advantage of there too, uh, especially when it comes to hard twitch. So there's definitely that. Mm-hmm. So Speculid is my is a Mac app that I have for building app icons. Right yeah. before WWDC, I was working on in-app purchases, and then they like did store kit too. Yes. So like now I'm like, do <laughs> I do I stop and like wait for store kit two, or should I just implement it now and get it done with in-app purchases? Because right now it's just a app you have to buy. Like mm-hmm. there is no in-app purchase, so no free trial, which kind of sucks. So like that's one app I definitely want to get out of the way as soon as possible. So mm-hmm. I might not even wait on store kit two. <laughs> But like I'm, I'm hoping to really take advantage. Like Swift UI on the Mac has improved, I guess, this year quite a bit, mm-hmm. and so I like building Mac Mac apps as well as iOS. So I definitely want to like take advantage of that while I can. Yeah, I remember I listened to a podcast. Um, I can't remember which one, but it was about Orbit, which is like a time tracking kind of app that's built by yeah with Malin and Kai. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they're saying how like yeah, the Swift UI features for Mac are like just really underdeveloped, and, and I remember them saying somewhere that they're super excited for all the new features. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's going to be really fun to work with. And like, it was my first experience building a sandbox app on the Mac, so like yeah. learning how to like actually manipulate files and create files and export stuff. Speaking of which, I had a really great. I don't know if you have done any of the labs at mm-hmm. Dub they're fantastic. I had a really good session on design with one of their folks and it was just so helpful to me to like kind of build a mental model of how I should make my app and, and display it. And he had like really good ideas. The whole team did. And it was super helpful. I highly recommend going to one of their labs at WWDC. It's like free and you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So it's like totally worth it to get like that kind of expertise from some uh, company that's so solid. Yeah, I definitely hope to do that next uh, next dub dub. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll let you go on and say your next idea. So my next one. Um, currently, I'm just doing a freelance project, but I don't think we're going to be implementing any iOS 15 specific things at the moment. But I can't talk too much about that one. One I had was like just an alarm app because like every morning I wake up and you if you wake up to like the same alarm, I'm just like I don't know what day it is. Like I know I have to wake up at this time, <laughs> but like do I have anything special going on? I don't really know. So I think it'd be a cool idea to have an app where you could like record your voice and then like play that recording like the next day or something. So you could literally be telling yourself like, get out of bed. You have to like go here like first thing in the morning. You <laughs> cannot be late. Like something like that that like actually reminds you like when you first like hear the alarm and then tells you sort of like either reads out your calendar or like could tell you like what is going on. I think that'd be pretty cool. Can you have access to the Siri voice? In the API, have you looked into that? I'm. I think you can because I know I cannot remember his name, but he made an app um, for primarily like the hard of hearing kind of community where uh, you could okay. like tap on something and then hear what is like spoken basically by Siri. So I believe I'm pretty sure you can do it. I just have never looked at this point like how to do that. 
but I'm pretty sure you can. Because that would be awesome. If you can, like, speak the calendar, then you don't have to record. Like, recording your own voice would be cool, but Mm -hmm. it'd be great if it was automated, right? And then Mm -hmm. you don't have to even go through that trouble. Good morning, Michaela. (laughs) It's whatever, 15 a.m. Like, Mm -hmm. you got a dentist appointment in 12 minutes or whatever, (laughs) you know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, I definitely think you can. I think it'd be just really fun because it's just when you wake up and you're like, first thing in the morning, like, I don't know, it's just, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't think of like anything that's happening that day. I'm just like, oh, I have to wake up. What? I don't know what day it is. It's just, it's the weekday because <laughs> I'm waking up. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, the last one that I had, um, I, I just thought of like gestures or something. So it's like the nineties, like bop it game where you like do bop it, mm-hmm. twist it, pull it. Doing something right. like that, but having your phone and that's like the controller. So you could like flip it over one way. That could be like one thing, like shake it or like move it in certain directions. And that could be like a whole game is like you try to listen for whatever the command is and then rotate your phone like in that way. I thought would be really cool. That's so uh, interesting. I was just thinking the other day how like one of the most fascinating things with the iPhone when it first came out was how you could like rotate it <laughs> and like move it. And yeah. it had all these motion controls. And I feel like in the last, whatever, 10 years, we've kind of forgotten that there's all those uh, accelerometers and Mm -hmm. stuff in the phone. And and like, I don't know, have you, so did you look at the core motion stuff and see what you can play around with? I haven't looked in depth, but I have looked like at another just small idea was making it so you could tilt your phone in different ways and then have to match a certain angle. So you could like, it could tell you like 12 degrees and you could try to match your phone. So it hits like at that proper angle and then you can like see how close you are. Something like that sort of can go with it. So I know you can get like X, Y, Z, what is it? Like like those dimensions. And then I know you can get accelerometer data, but it also depends on how fast you sort of move something for you to then okay. think about like, oh, was that a move or was that just doing something else? So I think it would take like, honestly, a lot of math probably <laughs> into this kind of a game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, trial and error. Mm-hmm. So I know you can mess with some of it. I haven't gone like too in depth, like looking at what you can do, but because I know it has an accelerometer and then also the um, gyroscope on it, you do know the positioning of the phone if it gets to like a certain position. So you could be like within a certain range. Oh, if you, if the move is like flip the phone over, you know, it goes from face up to face down. Yeah, that makes total sense. One thing I would think is, so I have a switch, right? And uh, uh, some games with like the Joy-Con, especially, if it's at the, it expects a certain angle. Like uh, I do, I work out with the Ring Fit. I don't know if you've heard of Ring Fit. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Okay, so you have to have the Joy-Con at a specific angle. And mm-hmm. It'll kind of like vibrate if it's once you click it in like the yeah. right angle. Oh. And that would be cool if you had like that kind of feedback as opposed to like visual feedback. Yes, I'm like so writing you know, it down. like oh. Yeah, you like <laughs> rotate the phone and then you feel like a vibrate, like it clicks almost. It feels like a click essentially when you have it at the right angle. Because then that'd you have cool. like it's not just a visual element, it's like a haptic element there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So some other ideas I had. Uh, so I run Orchid uh, Orchard Nest, uh, which is a Swift News website and bringing that over to an iOS app. Well, obviously improving the site for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to make some improvements there, but also moving that over to an iOS app would be awesome, I think. And then I've been interested in building like a small little podcasting app for the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is using the mic on the Apple Watch to quickly post episodes. Oh, that'd be cool. Almost like mini, mini episodes right from your Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Um 
So that's that's one thing I had worked on that I haven't jumped on in ages because like uh, <laughs> what's the quality of like the microphone on the watch? Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's like I you know first round I would just get it like to record and be impressed that I know how to do AV foundation and then maybe at some point I could run some filters through it but Mm -hmm. I'm not at the like that would be round two right yeah but uh maybe look at like an API for like blueberry or like I've looked um the host of the show transistor they have Mm -hmm. an API that I've looked at too and I've primarily worked with so it's not hard to like post episodes so Mm -hmm. just be a matter of looking at the different ways of doing it and figuring that out and how to do it from the Apple watch uh, completely so yeah and then another to do to do app because we just don't have enough to do apps never (laughs) (laughs) have you ever tried building a to do app I, I'm trying to think. I think I've done one in a tutorial. I don't think I've tried one myself. One I really want to do is an expense traffic tracking app, which there's a ton yeah. of those as well. But it's like, there's just teeny tiny things in all of them. That's like, it makes them slightly different from one to the other. Yep. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for the last two and a half years, I have been using numbers mm-hmm. to do my to do li- to do list. Okay. Uh, like the Excel, like the spreadsheet, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have like two and a half years and every week what I do is I'll create a new sheet and then I'll like delete the stuff I did and then I'll add new items to the to-do list and then I'll rank them pretty much every week mm-hmm. and then figure out, okay, what's the top 10 or 20 things I'm going to do that we can get done. Um, and so that's like kind of the ideas I want to, like it works, it's fine. Yeah. And I'm hesitant to like create an app because it works okay. But there mm-hmm. are certain things that would make an app like a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. I don't know. That's my idea. Do you have any thoughts on that? I I could almost see like try have you heard of Notion? Like Notion.so? Oh yeah. I've heard of Notion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I use Notion. That's where I put some things. I do have like a ton of older Evernote notes that I used to have. And then some of them I'm trying to now move into Notion. But like I could see notion of making like a new page every so often too. And you could try that, but it's like within a to-do or sort of like a to-do app itself. I could see like those could be really powerful, like with widgets of you always have like your top three things that you want to do. And then like you can check those off like super quickly rather than having to like go into the app and then it could just like recycle and you could see the next thing after you complete one thing or something. Right. Well, the other problem too is like if I rank stuff, there's no guarantee in numbers that I'm going to get two things ranked at the same value. Like part of it is making sure that every item is like of a unique value. So that way, like no two items are, are like, the number six thing on my list. And mm-hmm. so that's hard to do that with numbers. And then also search, like I can't yes. search and see when I did something or got <laughs> it done, like, which is fine. Like it's, it's not like I need it, but like there's, there's definitely a big part of me that would love to move that over to an app and just like, just make it easier. Mm-hmm. Hey folks, it's that time of the year again, where I would love to get some input from you, my audience members. Please go to the show notes below and go to the Typeform survey I have set up to get some input from you as far as Empower Apps, the show, and where you think are some of its strong points and where it could use improvements. Please take the time, please share it with others that you know, and fill this survey out. We'd really appreciate it. I'm looking for folks to fill this out as soon as they can. It just takes a few moments. Go to the link in the show notes below. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. You can DM me or you can send me an email, leo at brightdigit.com. 
If you have any questions about the survey, thank you so much for doing this. And thank you so much for being an audience member of this show. And thanks again for your support. So the other thing I was just going to mention is DevTools. Like I'm always interested in building DevTools. Have you... Have you ever thought about anything in the in the dev space that you're like, oh, this would be really helpful for me and a lot of developers? I know I've seen some. Like I remember when iOS 13 came out with um, all the new colors and then the dark mode and light mode, being able to easily switch and see what those are. I can't, it's like semantic UI, I think. It's like a free open source one. You can basically just download the mm-hmm. Xcode project and download it to your phone. I used to have that for okay. a while. That was one that I really liked. And another one, I think it was called like Haptic, Haptic Heaven. I think his name's... Jacob Davidson or David? I don't remember what his actual, like, actual name is at the moment. But um, We'll have the link in the he, show notes. Yeah, oh, it's, he he made one that had all the different haptics. So you could just press like a button on the phone and then you'd feel all the different haptic vibrations. Oh, yeah. Which like, yeah. is super yeah, useful. Yeah, because they're almost too. like sound waves in a way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool of just like a basic. He built that, I think, as like one of his portfolio kind of projects and like seeing how all that works. And I think he has that open source as well. I haven't thought of like any good ones. Um, there's all like just been ones that I've seen that I've really liked. Like some guy I know is doing one where it's like all these cool Swift UI views. So it's like he's showing you some kind of view and then you can basically like click on it and then it shows you like the code. I think it's a website actually, but it shows right. you the code behind like that view and sort of how to make it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I most of the dev tools I, stu- I do is just on the Mac. So mm-hmm. I haven't thought about an iOS app, but like stuff like documentation was always helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Is it Dash? Dash is the big one. That's pretty, pretty uh, fun to deal with. But yeah, I agree. It's it's a little bit difficult in the iOS space strictly. Was there any other app ideas that you wanted to talk about? I think those are the big ones that I have like just I'm thinking about. And then at one point in time, I will eventually get to them. <laughs> So when you get to that point, when, you know, eventually, mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, you have free time, yeah. where, where do you start? Would you start by like tinkering with the API or prototyping? Like what's your first place when you start an app? I would say more on the proto, not prototyping, but I would say like sketching. So like I'll have okay. a basic drawing of like this screen, this screen, this screen. Like pen and paper? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. that, sometimes okay. like on my iPad on the app, like okay. Notability, because that's I think that's an amazing app. So okay. I'll just sort of like draw out the basic screens that I want, not necessarily like into design really at all, because it's really just like squares for everything. And like wireframes almost. Yeah, pretty much. I, I would wireframe at first. Sometimes I go into Sketch, or I, I'd say I typically go into Sketch and like make more high fidelity, like, okay, this is more of what I want it to look like rather than just a basic like square for a button, which could get like either the colors that I want to use, and then after I do like a more, I would say not super high fidelity if you're like an actual like UI UX person, but like high fidelity for me, it's past sketching. Um, that's when like once I complete complete that, I'll then probably like start opening Xcode and figuring out like what do I want to make. And then I would say I would sort of go into the back end after that would be like first, what do I want it to look like? And then it's more of like, okay, building the first couple things, like the basic screen, because you kind of you can build the API. Or, and like communicate with one without building the screen. But it's like, I don't know, it's kind of useless because you're like, okay, well, I'm done with that. Now I have to make the whole front. So I do sort of like the front part a little bit and then I'll switch and start doing the back end of like actually connecting data. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, that's my struggle is like, what if the back end doesn't match up to the way I designed it, right? Like, what if my mental model is like not matching correctly, like to such an extent that like 
the design is totally off. Um, that's like one of my big struggles. And so like I, what I might actually do is like more tinker with the back end first just to get a good feel on the mental model and then fake it in the design. Because with SwiftUI, you can just like hack up a f- bunch of fake data and just see what it looks like in a SwiftUI view and then go from there and then worry about, okay, like the, the quote unquote business rules. So that way, like the data actually looks legit. But yeah, I, it's funny that you say uh, use uh, Notability. I think that's the second time somebody's mentioned that on this show. Yeah, I think that's an awesome app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should definitely yeah. <laughs> take a look at it. How far do you do you you mentioned Sketch? How far do you get into Sketch um, before you're like, I'm just gonna go ahead and like code this whole thing out? I would say once I have like the base idea of, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's where I want to put these buttons. That's like the general colors that I'm like aiming for. I use it's like a color generator. I think it's like the word color, but like two O's at the beginning. And you could just keep pressing space and it'll like keep generating colors for you. And you can like lock in certain colors and then it'll like start matching colors similar to like one that you locked in and you could just make a whole color scheme out of it. I use that because it's like, because I'm not like amazing at design and color theory and everything. So I'm like, I like, you know, the color red, what, what matches red? Right, right. I used to play with that stuff all the time when I was in college. Like, oh, do you want like uh, opposites? Do you want triad? Do you want like, like what kind of color scheme do you want? I used to play with color schemes all the time. But yeah, I almost I almost gotten into the habit of like picking the most simplest font and going with grayscale just so I don't get like (laughs) spend way too much time on colors. (laughs) Yes, it can be like a rabbit hole to go into. Are there any examples of apps that you're like, okay, I like that design. I'm going to try to do it that way. I do some, like, I thought the, what is it? The skeuomorph, is that the right word? Skeuomorphism? The, like, material looking one? Uh, Yeah, I thought that Mm -hmm. was pretty cool. But I I remember a lot of people pointing out, like, it's not super accessible and it's really hard, like, the contrast to be able to really see the difference between those two. Um, So I think it's a cool UI kind of thing, but I haven't really tried to emulate it. I think a lot of the basic, like if you use the basic iOS features, like you'll, it'll look like an iOS app and that's good enough to get it up off the ground. And then from there, that's yeah, when you can yeah. start like really messing with all the animations that you want to put in. Cause like you can put a couple of like confirmations or like bad things that happen in the app. So like your users know like something good or bad happened, I think is like always good to include, but like the whole like the entire animations that you want to go about, I don't think like are completely necessary at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. The other thing I wanted to talk about was marketing. Do you do it? Do you do any like marketing as far as reach out on that front or have you looked into any of that stuff? I've looked into it. I personally haven't yet. I, when I started my Instagram, that was sort of like my market. So I would um, post stories about like me making an entire application. So I have that for both the job application so one smart. and the NCIS uh, one. So you can basically watch me make it from like the literal idea. So actually my first one with the trivia one that like you can actually see the first sketch that I made. And then it goes like into, I did like a little flow map out for like, how does it work when you like answer a question? Do you go to the next question? If you get it wrong, if you get it right, what happens? I'll like, I mapped all of that out. And so like my Instagram base that I had, which was, I think at the time still less than like 1500 people or so. So it's not a ton, but it's like a good enough base that I got like 50, um, what are those beta testers? So then like they could do like the initial testing with something and then it could be like more sharing it on Twitter and sharing it in like other places. But I know I recently listened to, um, what is it on clubhouse? They used to have a thing called, uh, 
it's like um, they had a mobile developer thing like every Friday by Lickability. It's um, like a software company, I believe. And yeah, they did one. solid. Yeah, they did one for like how to promote indie apps. So I listened to that like whole thing and I like took notes like furiously of like you could post on Product Hunt, like making a landing page, like what kind of press kit. Because like I had never made any of these for my any of my apps. So I'm really hoping to do that for one of the next ones that I release is like have a full like marketing kind of package and be like actually ready to like try to reach out to other like what is it max max stories and like all the other like places to like actually try to have like a user base rather than just like the people i follow on instagram and twitter right right yeah there's some really good stuff with charlie chapman who did uh did the dark noise app which i absolutely love uh he he has a whole series of posts on his his app and how that um, that worked out. Um, I'll post links to that. And then Michael Tigra, Tigas, maybe I, yes, I, I pronounce that right. Uh, he's got some really good stuff there as well. And then I don't know if you've seen, uh, Jordan Morgan's recent posts about, he's got that book out. I forgot what it's called. It's like an ongoing project, but he sold, yes. uh, spend stack and he has some stuff on there that, is definitely worth checking out when it comes to his story and his experience with the designing spend stack. I'm trying to think what else is out there, but I'll post links to those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are all definitely ones I want to check out. I know Michael, I followed his app focus work from like somewhere at the beginning. It's I followed it when he like first started making it. And I think I subscribed to his um, email as well. So I had like his, I think it was weekly or monthly emails that he sent out of like everything he had done. Um, so I think that's definitely a really, really good resource to check out too. Yeah. And then we had a couple of episodes with uh, Jeff Gannett who uh, has done stuff with the press and he talked about media outreach and getting a press kit and all mm-hmm. that stuff, Yeah, which is definitely worth, worth doing. And then uh, Ariel uh, Michelli from app figures, who's uh, been a sponsor of the show. Okay. He, he talked about what you did is where you went on to Instagram, where your audience mm-hmm. actually is. Sometimes devs don't recognize that. And so I'm really glad you pointed that yeah. out. It's mm-hmm. like, where's your audience? That's where you need to go to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything else like you'd set up in the app uh, once you get going? Like, do you do anything with like continuous integration or setting up the app store stuff or any of that? I, yeah, so far I really haven't done any CI. I just sort of started getting into like unit testing with my job. Um, and like sort of at the very end of when I was, and I'd say end of like learning sort of iOS on my own before I had a full-time iOS job. Now, like I learned so many more things at work too, but like I just started getting into unit testing. So I want to add some unit tests to like my, um, my trivia app, because I was like, I now know what a massive view controller is because my view, because <laughs> my game app, it's like, 500, 700, 1,000 lines of code for just like the main bulk of the game of when you get something yeah. right or wrong and what happens. So I really want to like actually <laughs> unit test that because I'm like, yeah, I'm not 100% sure how this works because I completely forget. I made it like last year. So like being able to unit test that and be like, okay, we, we like won't delicately break anything. Because like I remember there was a special like use case at the very end of the app. If you got the last question in the app wrong, there you had to do like something special as opposed to if you got it right. And I was like, oh my gosh so like yeah it's i want to like check in like unit testing and get that sort of figured out for like some like parts here and there for like the indie apps that i've been doing (laughs) you mentioned view controllers so Mm -hmm. would you build your app in swift ui or ui kit at this point at this point i would say my next app would definitely be in swift ui um i've used it some at work so like 
I'm pretty familiar with it. I have like parts here and there that I'm like, I, of course, have to like just go look up. But it like, I would say the biggest dependent for me would be what is it going to look like? Because if it's going to be something like sort of easier to do, like just go ahead and do it in Swift UI. But if you're going to have like some super crazy, like complex thing, I would say UI kit is best because I just found out, oh, what was it? It's Swift UI. You can, you do not have the alert controller if you want to add a text box into it. You can have like the basic alert with a title message and like primary, primary, secondary buttons, but there is not one with a text, a text view. So in the bookmarks one, I was going to like go add a new bookmark. We have a new screen for that. But then I was going to like be, do an edit once, which is just, oh, let's just pop up an alert. And then I was like, wait a minute, you can't do that. You would have to have gone back to UIKit just to have that text view in the alert. And I was like, what? I was like, that's such a tiny thing, but it's like Swift UI can't do this yet. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe they're trying to just get you to go some other route that's like not you're not familiar with. So yeah, yeah. I totally get that. The I wanted to ask, so with all these ideas and working on all these projects, what what's some of the key ways that you try to stay organized as you're building the app to make sure you don't forget mm-hmm. something, I guess? I'd say overall. Is it like a checklist or anything? Yeah, I do like either a checklist or like Kanban kind of style of like to do, doing, done, like just super basic. Because okay. if you're making an MVP, like your minimum viable product, it should really do like your one thing really well. And then everything else is sort of just like extra things you keep on like tacking on to the products. So it's like, I just okay. have like typically um, just a list of like, oh, I want this, this, and this. But then sometimes like more the apps that I do now, um, if I like plan it more, if it has more of a backend, like the trivia app has, it's basically JSON data and that's like all of your questions and that's like pretty much it it just iterates through and through an array right which you don't really need like a whole back-end solution for that you can if you want to like update questions live but i'm not like doing that at the moment with it but then one of the other apps that i was thinking about was like you need a full-on like back-end so then two people can talk to your back-end so then they can both see like the same things that starts getting into like more planning and that that's when i'll either map something out by hand or like start using notion to like really sort of gather everything together. At what point as you're building this app, are you going to say this is good enough and put it out in the app store? I would say as long as like you can definitely do your one core thing that you really wanted in the app, that would be like good enough, like one core thing and make sure that like if your app like fails at any point, it doesn't just like abruptly crash. If was I loaded the data from like my trivia app. If that failed, you don't want it to just like not do anything. Cause that's like the whole basis of the game. So like making sure right. like stuff like that, like your big, like the whole app doesn't work without this. As long as like you uh, handle that stuff well, and then like your app does what you wanted it to do, then I would say it's like, go ahead and release it. <laughs> you can all, you can yeah. remember, you can always change it later. Like it's not a like right. game that you're putting out to the world. Nothing's in stone. Yeah. So you can always yeah. change it. So it's like not too much pressure really. Cause you can just change it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think like, that's one of the things It's just like not being too much of a perfectionist on that first mm-hmm. app. And two, like, actually I would go so far as to say, like, don't even put too many features in because you want to learn. Like I always feel like 
anything you put out is a good way to like learn from your audience, not mm-hmm. necessarily just to build features for features sake. Yeah. So if there's something you can add that will help you learn about your audience and that you could see, okay, like they actually, you need to pivot in this direction because they prefer this as opposed to like building out something that nobody's going to use, which I've done before, certainly. So yeah, that's definitely uh, one thing too, is like, don't, don't spend too much time on a lot of features and mm-hmm. do a lot of little, little releases as opposed to big ones. Yeah. Before we close out, I wanted to ask you, uh, with learning, like getting into iOS development and building new apps, what have you found is like your most helpful resource out there? Oh, most or resources, helpful. I should say. Okay, yeah, resources. I would say like I have used Swift by Sundell, um, his website, Hacking with Swift. At the beginning, I used a lot of Code with Chris because I think his tutorials are amazing for oh, like yeah. okay. just getting up and off the ground. Um, I think his tutorials are great. And then just a lot of like Sean Allen's YouTube and just overall like YouTube kind of channels because I figured out I really like watching a video and then seeing um, how something works and then being able to like go into the code and sort of like do it myself. Because like, I don't know, I feel like it's not the same when I read it off of something, which like, yes, you can read it and then copy the code and it's sort of doing the same thing. But overall, it's I've preferred like watching something and then like trying to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like cooking, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you want to watch somebody do it and then see what the end result looks like and mm-hmm. then like have an idea of the, the path. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to mention before we close out? Oh no, I would say like overall just like have fun. iOS development is like I've I've wanted to do this because I thought it was fun. So like if you get to a point of like you don't want to do this, you hate it or something, just like stop working on it, do something else, then come back to it. You may figure out that like you do still like this. So it's like, just have fun with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Definitely take a break, uh, get some, get some fresh air and like get a clear head and then look at it later. I Mm -hmm. think that's always helpful when you get bogged down. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Michaela, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This is a really fun chat. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you online? I would say um, Instagram is my name, Michaela Karen. And then Twitter is Michaela two underscores and then Karen because of course my name was taken and then of course my name with an underscore was taken so i had to put two of them in there so it's michaela underscore underscore karen but my picture is the same everywhere if you can find the unicorn like that's what it is well thank you very much michaela underscore underscore karen for coming on the show yeah thank you people can find me on twitter at leo gtn my company is bright digit please take some time to post a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to. Subscribe and like if you're watching this on YouTube. Please take some time to fill out the survey as well. And look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.